are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Friday show for you heading into the weekend. We're going to talk about charity calling out a very popular Bachelor alum, which I loved. Sierra Jackson goes on She's All Batch and throws Michael Aleo under the bus. I want to talk a little bit about something that Emily Longeretta said in yesterday's podcast in regards to the Boy Meets World cast. Going to make a correction on something I said in yesterday's podcast, which I'm embarrassed by, and I'll tell you why. I have a dream update of a dream I had two nights ago. And no, it wasn't one of my core four that I've told you about that I have seemingly the ones I remember the most, but something happened that happens a lot. And then just as we're talking about Ariana Grande divorcing her husband that I didn't even know she had as of two months ago, she's already moved on. And we'll get to that momentarily. Podcast brought to you by Earth Echo Foods and their healthy feel-good superfood product called Cacao Bliss. You are going to fall in love with truly decadent, healthy, and guilt-free chocolate. Who doesn't like to eat chocolate and not have to worry about calories and pounds and stuff like that? How would you like to eat chocolate that will help reduce your cravings, facilitate weight loss, boost your energy, and help combat inflammation with one simple, delicious drink? That's Earth Echo Foods Cacao Bliss. Go to shop.earthechofoods.com slash realitysteve. Use promo code realitysteve for 15% off everything at Earth Echo Foods. That's shop.earthechofoods.com slash realitysteve. And the promo code's realitysteve for 15% off everything at Earth Echo Foods. And if you can't remember this URL, don't worry. Go to the episode description wherever you listen to your podcast. Click right where it says Earth Echo Foods. It'll bring you right to the landing page for Cacao Bliss. So let's start here. Actually, you know what? Let's start yesterday with a correction I want to make. You know me how I always told you I love math. I love statistics. I've just I love crunching numbers. How I was so off yesterday on that whole Instagram thing, at least with certain numbers I was. I was telling you that wow, I can't believe some of these guys are just so low on their Instagram followers. Joey is leading with 27,000. And I was talking about how Tyler Cameron on Hannah Brown season, I think was at the two or 300,000 Instagram follower range when they got to hometown dates. And Joey has 27,000 and we're one episode away from hometowns. Like, and I was like, that's 100 times less than him. I'm like, wow, I really screwed that up. Uh, horrible math on my part. I apologize. That wasn't 100 times behind him. Now, if you take some of the other guys that I was talking about that were in the top four, the Aarons, the Xaviers, the Dottons, who are right around the five and 7,000 Instagram follower range, that's about 50 times worse because 5,000 followers times 50, that's 250,000. So that would be less. So I don't know why. I knew it was – I just screwed up. Sorry about that. Bad math on my part, at least for the Joey one. For – for Xavier, Aaron, and Doughton, no, it was pretty much on the mark. Not 100 times less followers than Tyler Cameron, but 50 for sure. So let's get to the biggest news of yesterday, which was, hey, Charity Lawson decided to wake up and choose violence yesterday as she absolutely went after our good buddy, Prick Vial, yesterday. So 
first off, let's read the tweet. Charity sends out a tweet yesterday morning that says, May, excuse me, it wasn't even a tweet. It was a thread. Charity has said, fuck you tweets. I'm going to threads. So she sends out a thread that says, maybe it's time we stop getting dating advice from unqualified TV personalities who like bashing women for the sake of views. Then when she put it in her Instagram story, she started to th- decided to throw another message on top of that. And she took a screenshot of her thread, put it in her Instagram story, and then added on top of that, misogynistic men, now that's icky behavior. What this is, is in response to what Prick Vial said in his episode review in regards to charity on, I don't know what day it comes out, but after the episode, um, he basically... Oh, I got an email, and it came from AOL. I know. I still have an AOL email address. Did you know this? It's crazy. I know. <laughs> um, so anyway, basically, Nick, when he was recapping the episode, has said things about Charity that he called her a fuckboy magnet. He said that Dotton's pitching a perfect game this season, basically saying he's doing everything right, saying everything right. And then in the very next sentence says, but he doesn't stand a fucking chance to Xavier because Charity just wants to have sex with Xavier. I mean, I I, I guess, I, <laughs> how, do, how do I describe this? I guess it's almost better that he's doing this. Because I don't know how many more times this guy needs to put his foot in his mouth and talk about women in this franchise the way he does before people start really seeing who he is. You know? The guy who came after me for what I used to say. Judge, can we enter into this case Exhibit A? And then exhibit B and exhibit C and exhibit D. How many more times does he have to say things like this before people start realizing, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be taking any sort of woman advice from this man. And look, I'm going to be 100% honest here. This has absolutely nothing to do with any sort of podcast war with this guy. My beef with Prick Vial has everything to do with the interactions I have personally had with him. This isn't just me from afar saying, don't like that guy. It is personal interactions, things that he has said about me that are factually incorrect. The podcast that we did together was an absolute joke. He went in with an agenda. He thought he accomplished that agenda until it actually aired and it completely backfired on him and then took zero responsibility for it. You can say when you watch the show, you know, I don't like this person. I, you know, even some people say I hate this person that they're watching on TV. I think that's extreme. That's kind of ridiculous. You don't, how can you hate somebody that you don't even know? I can't say I hate prick, but I really dislike the guy and I have very little respect for him. And it's because of my personal dealings with him. Nothing 
that has to do with, I don't know, podcast stuff. Other than the podcast I was on with him. I'm just saying, like, as a podcaster, a fellow podcaster, it's nothing to do with that. I know he's got a successful podcast. He gets more downloads than I do. He's probably got the second most successful podcast in all of Bachelor Nation. And that's fine. I'm just saying when I talk podcast stuff, it has nothing to do with the fact that he gets the screeners early and can watch the episode early and he can get, you know, eliminated contestants fresh off the show, which I'd love to do, but they're just never going to do it. They're never going to give it to the guy that spoils their show. So it has nothing to do with that sort of podcast stuff. It has everything to do with my personal interaction with him. But, I mean, the examples are starting to pile up on the things that he says about women in this franchise. And I'm glad that Charity saw him and called him out for it. But here's the other thing. Just like all the past instances that have happened, Nick will put his tail between his legs and he won't even address it. That's the embarrassing part. Because she's absolutely calling him out and he won't even address it. And if he does, it'll be, ugh, she's being so sensitive. Can't she take a joke? You know, I mean, that's that's the way he, he won't say, you know what? I thought about what I said, and that was out of line. I shouldn't have called Charity a fuckboy magnet. I shouldn't have said Charity just wants to have sex with Xavier. He'll never say that in a million years, even though he should. It's like, dude, you're just recapping a Bachelor show and you're literally attacking this woman's moral compass, her personality, what she's attracted to. Not just saying, oh, Charity playing, you know, a producer role here and saying that I like I get when he can go in and 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 knowing what it is to be a lead on the show, knowing how the ins and outs works and you kind of have to play along like that part when he analyzes an episode if he says something like that, that makes sense because he's been in that position. But when he's just flat out attacking somebody's character, it's just, it's unreal to me. But, hey, I... Keep doing it, dude. Keep doing it. And then when you get called out for it, ignore it like you always do, you chicken shit. Moving on. So Sierra Jackson was on the She's All Batch podcast yesterday, and Sierra Jackson decided to choose violence. Uh, you know, that's a little bit different because I, I think she's doing an interview. She's asked about what happened on Paradise last year. She's going to answer it honestly, and I appreciate her honesty. Basically, we all remember what happened last year on Paradise with Sierra. She paired up with Michael Alio, and they were going well. And then Michael Leo just says to her, you know, I just don't see it with us in the future. And, oh, what do you know? Here comes Danielle Maltby the very next day. And, you know, they leave Paradise together. She's moved to Ohio. Now there's obviously uh, some major rumors on the Internet that they might no longer be together. I have no idea. I don't follow Michael. I do follow Danielle on Instagram. I have noticed, like you've all pointed out to me, I have noticed it myself. Because I follow Danielle, she has not posted with him or about him in about a month. So yes, the second that starts happening to a couple who always posted together, you immediately start to think things. But Rachel and Matt did the same thing, and they came out and said, look, we get it, we're fine, but we don't have to post about each other all the time. So we'll see. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. Let's just talk about the issue at hand, which was Sierra and what she said on uh, She's All Batch podcast, which was, yeah. I was talking to Michael last January. He contacted me. We have conversations. 
We have text conversations. We have text DMs. We have voice messages to each other, kind of like what Dave, Neil, and I send back and forth to each other all day long. Um, but she goes, she's got the receipts. So she also said, yeah, Michael was asking me if I'm going to go on Bachelor in Paradise, but then I find out he's also asking Jasenia if she's going on Bachelor in Paradise. He's also asking Hunter if she's going on Bachelor in Paradise. I can tell you right now, I know another person he was asking, but going to keep that to myself because it's over and done with. But put it this way. If Sierra just named three people yesterday, her, Hunter, Jasenia, that she knew that he was talking to, I know of at least one other person he was talking to. Do we think those are the only four? It sounds like this guy was just piling up a roster so he wouldn't go down there and have nobody to talk to. And I understand that Paradise is all about sliding into the DMs and you know, maybe setting something up before you get down there. But when you're at four people, and that's four that we know of, well, three that you publicly know of, I know of a fourth there's probably more. Then it just becomes a little bit more of how is this guy believable? Those four names, none of them, you know, Jasenia, Sierra, Hunter, the one that I know of, and then everyone is pretty much under the assumption that he absolutely was talking to Danielle before Paradise as well. So that brings us to five. So this is what I'm talking about. It just seems, he just seems so disingenuous. Is What's the word? I... I always screw this up. Is it disingenuine or disingenuous? I don't know. Either way, he just doesn't come across as sincere. You know? To me, that's the way I see it. Hearing these stories from Sierra, knowing what I know behind the scenes, never been a fan of the guy. I just, I, it, he rubs me the wrong way. And that's my take. Uh, Sierra, I you know, I, I saw some of the comments under Dave Neal's story when he covered this on YouTube yesterday. People were like, Sierra needs to let this go. Look, don't put this on Sierra. Sierra didn't do anything wrong. She's all batch, asked her about it. She's going to answer, and she's going to answer honestly. Like, this is exactly what you guys love. What are you talking about? You want to hear the tea when you have a former contestant on. The second they don't say anything, you call it a boring interview. Then she actually gives you something, and you're like, oh, she needs to get over it. Please, like... Does anything make anybody happy ever? Seriously. You know, I get it a lot with my podcast guests. When I interview former contestants, if it's somebody that doesn't have tea, it's like, oh, that was boring. And if it does have tea, it's just like, ugh. if you don't agree with them, then what are they doing on the podcast? You know, it's like, good Lord. So I have no problem with what Sierra said on that podcast. Because I know there's more to it. And the fact that Sierra has receipts, and when this was all going down, remember Hall, the whole thing with the, the reunion show, and things got cut out or whatever, and then, you know, Michael's contacting her and saying, why are you doing this, and why are you talking about this? You know, both Danielle and Michael issued a very small statement in regards to Sierra and all this. They've never, ever, ever answered the question, how much were you guys in contact? Michael and Danielle, how much were you guys in contact before Paradise? Be very nice to know. Sierra basically said, we were talking a lot. It wasn't just, hey, Michael asked me if I was going to Paradise. It wasn't just one DM. She said she's got receipts. 
numerous text messages, numerous voice messages. So when he's doing that and putting that much time into somebody and then you get down there and they are making out, they're spending time together, clearly this is somebody that felt let on. She's allowed to say, I felt let on. And allowed to give that impression that she felt let on. Like, she's done nothing wrong. Don't know why people are jumping down her throat to defend Michael, of all people. So I wanted to talk a little briefly about something Emily Longeretta said in the podcast yesterday, podcast number 348. And remember, if you listen to the podcast, you heard me say at some point during that podcast, oh, I was just going to ask you something and it totally slipped my mind. Well, it was when she brought up the fact that she had worked closely with the Boy Meets World rewatch podcast with Danielle, Will, and God, I'm forgetting his name. It's not, is it Sean? Sean might be the actual character name because I watched Boy Meets World. Definitely wasn't a avid watcher where I can remember episodes and stuff like that like I could for 90210, but I watched it numerous, a lot. And so, but I'm forgetting one of the three's name that hosts the rewatch podcast. But, um, I wanted to ask her if she knew anything more about the fact that Ben Savage has ditched those three people and has never said why. And we talked about this a couple months ago when the story broke, which was by Emily herself, because she had a sit down with those three who host the Boy Meets World rewatch podcast. And when she asked about Ben, um, they said, look. At one point, he was in our lives. We told him we were thinking of doing the podcast. He said he didn't want to be a part of it, but he said, if this is what you guys want to do, have at it. And then about a year or two later, he just stopped responding to text messages and phone calls. And none of them know why. And I asked her, do you know? Did they give you any sort of hint? And Emily said, Steve, honestly, all three of them are completely in the dark, and they're really bothered by it. They just don't know why he decided to ghost them. And that sucks. You know, combine it with, you know, my my whole thing with the Jenny and Tori versus Tiffany thing. And I, I know this sounds kind of morbid, but, and I don't want to actually verbalize this just in case, God forbid, something happened. But just, just think in both of these situations, just think worst case scenario happens to one of the people involved. I'm telling you, the other side is going to feel really shitty that they couldn't man up and put their differences aside, you know, whatever that may be. You hate, I don't even want to, you know, I obviously don't want to speak it into existence. I'm just saying, can you imagine if, how one side will feel if something happens? That man, you know, life's too short. It's way, you might not think it's short. It is. It's too short to hold grudges over something that seems rather petty in the grand scheme of things, especially when everyone involved has families and children and has moved on with their lives. You know? So just as much as I want the Jenny, Tory, and Tiffany beef to come to an end, I'd really like to, to see these three be able to reconnect at some point with Ben. Maybe it's more possible with Ben than it is with Tiffany. I don't know. But it really brings me to I just I always think I immediately go to worst case scenario. And I guarantee you, if there is a worst case scenario in this situation, Ben's going to feel like shit. 
because he doesn't seem to have much of... We don't know. Just like we really don't know any of the details on Tori, Jenny, and Tiffany, these three are completely in the dark. They have no idea why he just decided one day to never respond to their texts or phone calls. It just sucks. It really does. So a couple weeks ago, I mentioned about four dreams, four core dreams that I have seemingly that I remember the most. Being on air in the radio and forgetting what I have to say, uh, being at a stand-up comedy club and being the next comedian up and I have no set, which is just bizarre because I've, as much as I love stand-up comedy, I've never wanted to be in stand-up comedy. Um, high school basketball career, um, always dreams that uh, bring me back to that. And then uh, what was the other one? Oh, being in college, second semester, and it's getting towards the end of graduation, and I realize there's one class I've never attended all second semester, and I'm not going to graduate. Those are the four that recur. I can't tell you how many times a year because I don't write it down. I probably should. But now that I have a podcast every day, maybe I'll tell you if I remember, you know, my dream. But something happened two nights ago after I talked about um, – you know, yes, yesterday's podcast that you listened to was me talking about Steph Curry at the American Century Championship and the ratings were the best and they've been in 20 years. So last night, well, then, <laughs> okay, because I, I, record, <laughs> I record these podcasts at night, but they air in the morning the next day. So you know what I'm saying. Basically, I recorded the talking about Steph Curry on Wednesday night. Yes. So Wednesday night. And then when I went to bed that night, I had a dream and my whole dream surrounded the fact that I was playing in the American Century Championship with Steph Curry. And then all of a sudden we were playing in an NBA game. And remember, I said one of the best sports moments for me, if not the best thing going in sports right now is when Steph Curry is on a heater. Well, I was in a game with him and he hit nine threes in the first half and I hit one. And people were going crazy. That was my dream. And I was just like, so I don't want to say it's a core thing, but one thing that does happen when I dream is a lot of times the last person I'm texting, the last person I'm talking to, or something that I was dealing with or talking to or thinking about or watching on the internet right before bed ends up being the main focus of my dream. So that happened on uh, Wednesday night, in case you were interested. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I realized yesterday that Ariana Grande and Dalton Gomez are no longer a couple. And already, yesterday, headline story, Us Weekly, Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater's relationship is fairly new. I had no idea who Ethan Slater is. I guess he's in Wicked with her? It also says Grande and Gomez called it quits um, back in January. So I so now it make the timeline makes a little more sense. I was like, didn't we just find out this week that they called it quits, and all of a sudden she's dating her co-star from Wicked? So apparently, um. Ariana and Dalton Gomez have been having issues for months and now 
she left to film Wicked in December of 22. Distance did not help. And now she is dealing with uh, this Ethan Slater guy who I've never heard of. But she's with him. So I guess congratulations to Ethan and Ariana for starting up a relationship. Ethan, who is best known for his role as SpongeBob SquarePants in the Broadway musical. Oh. He's got a son with estranged wife, Lily J, who he just had in 2022. Oh, boy. Okay, this is... This is messy. I guess I... I guess I should have probably expected that when the same week we hear that Ariana Grande and Dalton Gomez are splitting up. She's already dating a co-star from her Broadway play. Okay. I'm sure there was no overlap there. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. The Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now. Please follow on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review if you can as well. I hope you all have a great weekend, and I will talk to you on Monday. See you!